listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a delight to be here with you, and it's a delight for me to be back from my journeys. I missed you while I was gone. Hopefully you missed me too. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> so uh, I've been on a pilgrimage uh, with a group of fellow Christians, and we went to Israel and we went to Egypt, and we traveled from Dan to Beersheba, all the, all the land that was promised to Abraham, and a good bit further. From the northern, uh, most northern point in Galilee in the Golan Heights, we were at Tel Dan, and a Canaanite mud brick gate uh, that is about 5,000 years old, or just shy of there, Abraham would have seen it when he came over from modern-day Iraq, ancient Ur. And we went as far south as Cairo um, and the ancient Egyptian capital of Memphis, where Abraham also went. It's a pretty long ways, um, even if you're traveling by bus. It's a really long ways for Abraham, traveling by foot. But there was so much to see. Some of you have gone um, with us before. Um, others, I'd love to take you uh, with us in the future. It's, it's a wonderful place. There's something the land can teach your body that words can't, right? There's something about the sights and the smells, the taste of the food, kind of meeting the people, kind of waking up on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and seeing the sunrise. Um, it never gets old. But there's something else that never gets old to me. I never tire of standing here and looking out at you. I never tire of telling you about God's grace and about God's love and how much he cares for you. And this passage in Ezekiel is an interesting one. So just around the corner from that 5,000-year-old Canaanite um, gate is the remains of an altar that a descendant of Abraham, uh, King Ahab, the king of the northern kingdom, he built altars. He built two of them, one there at Dan and another at Bethel. And he built them as alternatives to, to the temple to the, um, that was in Jerusalem. You see, the kingdom that God had promised, God promised Abraham that he'd bless his children and that he'd make his children into a nation and that he'd give them land. And that, of course, came to pass. But that kingdom didn't last very long, literally just three generations the generation of Saul, the generation of David, and the generation of Solomon. At Solomon's death, the kingdom divided into the north and the south. The north was by far larger, 10 of the 12 tribes. And one of the kings of the northern kingdom, many of them, but one of them in particular, Ahab, had built these other altars that he didn't want his people having to travel down to Jerusalem to worship. So they were going to worship there. But the problem is, is that they began to worship other gods as well, not just Yahweh. And so we, we sat by the remains of that ancient altar. And it reminds me of a text like this because that kingdom, the northern kingdom, would be destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And the southern kingdom, made up of just Judah and Benjamin, where Jerusalem is, um, would limp along for about another mm, 100 years or so. And in 586, the Babylonians had come and they had destroyed the Assyrians who had destroyed the northern kingdom. And then they destroyed the southern kingdom as well. And now we're up to the time of the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet who just precedes Ezekiel, who Rachel read for us today. 
And it's one of the saddest stories, right? Jeremiah had been prophesying that God was sending Babylon to judge Jerusalem. And the people rejected that message. They said things like, this can't be true. We have the temple of the Lord. God would never allow the Babylonians to come and destroy this land. And Jeremiah says, you misunderstood me. I wasn't saying that God was allowing Babylon to come and destroy this land. I said God was sending Babylon to destroy this land. That Babylon is the judgment of the Lord upon you for your unfaithfulness. They, of course, didn't believe. They claimed because we have the temple, we will be safe. And at one point, Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah chapter 7, he's fed up with it. And he's like, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord. You keep saying this, but it doesn't mean anything. I imagine they had little TOTL bracelets, you know, kind of like our WWJD, right? Or a little fish that we put on the back of our cars that somehow we think helps, right? Right before we cut off, <coughs> right before we cut somebody off, right? And we wave at them with one of our fingers. And then you're like, oh, no, that's my pastor. Sorry, pastor. Right? He kept saying, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord. Look, you, you, can, you can have T-shirts and you can have wristbands and you can have bumper stickers, I guess, on their chariots. I'm not sure. But those, those external things don't measure the true measurement about what the faith is about. Moses had said this. Moses had said that circumcision is not just of the flesh, it's of the heart. And what everyone knows is that a true pilgrimage, like I've been on this journey, right, But anybody can go on a journey. You can go to a certain place. But going to a place externally doesn't make it a pilgrimage. At that point, it's just a vacation. In order for it to be a pilgrimage, it doesn't have to be an external journey, but an internal journey. And the internal journey is something you can do anywhere. It's the journey that you take as you serve your God. The internal journey into your own heart, into your own self to find the God of your creation, the God in whose image and likeness you were shaped and are formed. And that's the journey that we take together as we come and we worship and we sing and we hear scriptures read and and we share with one another the grace and peace and we receive the love and forgiveness of God and and the the bread and wine at the table. And we, we practice this Christianity. Ezekiel is a prophet of a priestly lineage. He should have, his job should have been being a priest in the temple. But the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, and he was taken into captivity with others into Babylon. So there he sits in Babylon with no temple where where to do the sacrifices, right, where to do the worship of God. And so this priest becomes a prophet, and he prophesies. And earlier uh, in his book, He prophesied to Israel and he said to them, look, you're not who you are because you were born that way. You're who you are because God chose you. And we just sang, it was the second song that we sang, we sang about a God who is the God of orphans. The God who becomes the father of the fatherless. And we get that imagery from Ezekiel. Like, Ezekiel is one of the first to use the imagery of of adoption as what does it mean to be chosen by God. Ezekiel 16 says this. It says, 
that Israel was, uh, had just been born and was still lying in its birth fluids with its umbil- umbilical cord yet uncut, crying, and God passed by and said, I hear you and you will be mine. It's the most common metaphor used for what it means to be Christian, is to be adopted by God. It's used in the Old Testament. It's used in the Gospels. It's used in the Epistles. There are, of course, other metaphors, right? There's new birth and second birth and new creation, redemption, regeneration, justification, sanctification. There's lots of metaphors used, but the most common one used in Scripture is that we are adopted. We are chosen by God. And God makes us his children. And so sometimes, I've told you this before, but sometimes I envision the church as kind of God's cosmic uh, foster care program. (laughs) Right? So here we are. And we're going to introduce others to their father that maybe they haven't met him yet. Right? They've yet to see the judge. They've yet to be declared to get their new name. But it's what we're all waiting for. Right? Right? That is how we're told the story ends, is that one day we'll stand before a judge and we'll get our forever name and we'll be with our forever family. And so all of that promise, all of that hope was wrapped up in, in, in Judah, previously Israel, but the northern kingdom had been so utterly destroyed that we don't know their descendants. We can't trace the descendants of the ten tribes. They're gone. They, they don't exist as far as we know. So to this day, we call people from that group of people, we call them Jews, right? The Jews are the descendants of the ancient Hebrews. They were Hebrews, and then eventually the Hebrews occupied land and became a geopolitical nation state called Israel. So the Hebrews became Israelites. Are you tracking with me? Israel, though, was destroyed. And so all that was left was the kingdom of Judah that was taken into captivity into Babylon. And that kingdom is what was then, or their descendants were allowed to return to Jerusalem at one point and kind of reestablish themselves. It was the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. They are from the kingdom of Judah, so they're called Jews. So the term Jews means descendant of Judah, right? So not all Hebrews were Jews, and certainly not all Israelites were Jews. Jews were just the kingdom of Judah, but that's all we have anymore, right? Except (laughs) Ezekiel, unless I'm misreading him, is hoping for something more. He sits in Babylon. He sits in the land of of captivity, right? All that they have hoped for, all that they have dreamed of, all that, that they had realized, had been promised to them, and they had experienced, had come to nothing. You ever find yourself in a place like that? Lord, how is it that I've gotten to this point in my life? This is not the way I thought it was going to go. This is far darker. This is, this is too difficult. If I followed you, Lord, certainly this is not where you want me to be. This is certainly where Ezekiel is, as all of his people And now, in Ezekiel 37, God gives him a vision. A vision of a valley of dry bones, right? Of a a resurrection. But the resurrection is of not just Judah being allowed to return to Jerusalem, 
But even the northern kingdom that had been totally annihilated seems to be back. He's making something utterly new, more than what they could have hoped for, more than what they could have imagined. And this is, again, this is the pilgrimage of that inward journey that we find a God who's able to do more than we could hope or even imagine, whose love ex extends beyond the boundaries of our imagination. It is filled with hope and hope that does not disappoint. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.